welcome to the Red Words Podcast, where we pursue a personal relationship with God the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Join us weekly as we deep dive into the dynamic and oftentimes curious Holy Spirit-inspired book of God's Word. Now, we continue with Revelation, chapters 15 and 16, where the seventh trumpet judgment introduces the seven bowl judgments. The bowls are God's final wrath upon earth, for not one earth dweller who chooses 666 will be allowed to live, because every one of them harms God's people. God does not tolerate the murder of his people, and he sends his wrath to punish those who do. Back in Revelation chapter 11, the seventh trumpet angel opened God's temple for all to see. Then in chapters 12 through 14, God foreshadowed his final wraths. Now, chapter 15 introduces seven new angels who hold golden bowls filled with God's punishments. But first, why is God's punishment necessary? Multiple reasons, but two are offered here. Number one. Because there are people who think that after they die, they go to heaven, simply because they are no longer inhabiting earth. Number two, there are other people who think that after they die, since they don't have a soul, they don't go anywhere. They believe they'll be buried or cremated, and that's that. They will experience nothingness, darkness, forever. Well, God gave every human the gift of free will. If a person wants to think that after they die, it's all a big fairy tale, they're allowed. But there is a huge difference between man-made thinking and God-thinking. So the big question is, what if a person is wrong about their thoughts on eternity? God repeatedly answers questions regarding eternity in his Holy Bible. Ah, what if a person doesn't believe in the Bible? Then they've already chosen against God. They don't give him the remotest opportunity to help them. End of story. Or is it? Just because people don't want to believe a fact does not mean that fact isn't true, because Luke 16 tells us that if a person dies without choosing God, they find themselves chained within a compartment in hell called torment, a place where the dead experience never-ending heat, utter and complete isolation, and thirst, a place from which they cannot escape. Luke 16 describes a beggar who died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom, the opposite compartment from hell's torment. While there, the beggar was freed from all his earthly hurt and pain. Interestingly, between Abraham's bosom and hell's torment is a wide and deep chasm. Occupants from both sides can view each other. According to the Bible, inside hell's torment is a rich man crying for Abraham's mercy to bring him a drop of water. He did not beg to get out of torment. When Abraham told the rich man that no one can cross the chasm, the rich man switched his begging, asking Abraham to send word to his five brothers, yet alive, and warn them about the horrible place in which he found himself. But more revealing is this. Immediately after a person arrives into hell's torment, they realize the absolute truth. The torment is that while they lived on earth, they could have made the correct decision to accept the Lord Jesus Christ into their lives. But now their predicament, their choice against him, will last forever. One additional biblical fact arises. 
Later chapters in Revelation tell us that these people who reside in hell's torment will be thrown into the lake of fire, which is a far greater torment. Okay, so what is the opposite to hell's torment? What does a person gain if they choose to believe that God loves them? The answer is in John 3.16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Okay, so who's God's Son? He is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is defined in John 14.6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. God is quite clear that the only way to avoid hell's torment is to go the opposite direction, into heaven, and only the people who choose to believe in God, while they are still alive on earth, are allowed that access. God is quite clear that his Son is the only choice. He alone leads people to Father God, as Jesus explains in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Do you see? If you let go of man-thinking and seek the knowledge available in God's Word, in His Holy Bible— you learn that Jesus is the way. He guides a person along the path that leads to the narrow gate. But Jesus warns that few people choose this way. They refuse to accept that he even exists. They remain on the broad road, engulfed in the huge mass of people who hide the entrance onto that single-file path that leads to the gate into heaven. Their refusal, ignorance, head-in-the-sand approach to life stops them seeing life's most important opportunity, and that is their individual responsibility to choose God or not. Entering the narrow gate leads to everlasting life with the Almighty God who loves you dearly. While the broad road represents Satan's lies, his deception that earthly things will bring people happiness. The broad road is Satan tempting mankind away from God. The broad road is that crowded, go-with-the-flow highway that leads people into hell's torment. Every person must make an individual decision to head straight toward God, and they can do this by accepting His Son, for Jesus is the only way to God, and God will not force anyone to choose Him. All He does is repeatedly offer His Son as an opportunity to everlasting life in heaven. So, back to the original question. What is the harm in believing there is no God, no soul, no eternity? Here is Revelation chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. I saw before me what seemed to be a glass sea mixed with fire, and on it stood all the people who had been victorious over the beast and his statue and the number representing his name. They were all holding harps that God had given them, and they were singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, 
All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous deeds have been revealed. Seven angels are seen in the temple, while the saints stand on the glass and fire sea that represents God's word, his holy Bible. These people chose to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and their eternal reward is life in heaven. Because they found biblical truth during the tribulation, they refused to accept Satan's mark, his idol, and his worship demands. They remain steadfast to their hope and joy and belief that God would reward them, and he does. He gives them a golden harp, and they sing the old and very beloved song of Moses, that is, the song of the Lamb. It will be such a beautiful song as their voices float upward throughout heaven. But do not miss the fact that there will come a time when all nations will come and worship before the throne of King Jesus. There will come a time when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He alone is the way, truth, and life that leads to the Father. Verses 5-8 through eight switch the reader's attention back to God's angels. Then I looked and saw that the temple in heaven, God's tabernacle, was thrown wide open. The seven angels who were holding the seven plagues came out of the temple. They were clothed in spotless white linen with gold sashes across their chests. Then one of the four living beings handed each of the seven angels a gold bowl filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from God's glory and power. No one could enter the temple until the seven angels had completed pouring out the seven plagues. The number seven throughout this verse indicates God's completion, whereby his wrath judgments proceed, for he alone deals with earth's final destiny. In Revelation chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, the first of the bold judgments is released upon earth. Then I heard a mighty voice from the temple say to the seven angels, Go your ways, and pour out on the earth the seven bowls containing God's wrath. So the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth, and horrible, malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Make no mistake. Throughout Scripture, God is quite clear that no one will worship any image made by man. Idol worship is satanic worship, and the image of Satan in Revelation is the epitome of God's historical demand to avoid such worship. No idol can ever replace the living God, the one who saves. No mark, no tattoo, no piercing, uniform, no media outlet, no Hollywood actor, no government leader, no person, no thing can replace the Lord God Almighty. This plague upon the skin is indicative of an outward sign of inner corruption. These sores were first seen when Moses told Pharaoh to release God's nation Israel from slavery. When Pharaoh refused, God had Moses bring forth a skin plague. The next plague will also stem from Moses and from the trumpet judgments, as we read in verse 3. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. And it became like the blood of a corpse, and everything in the sea died. Again, this is literal blood, and the sea is filled, killing everything. The third angel releases the next bowl in verses 4 through 7. 
Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. And I heard the angel who had authority over all water saying, You are just, O Holy One, who is and who always was, because you have sent these judgments. Since they shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, you have given them blood to drink. It is their just reward. And I heard a voice from the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, your judgments are true and just. Imagine trying to live without water, yet it is fitting that the people who worship Satan, that beast who demands his followers drink human blood, end up having only blood to drink. Do the earth dwellers repent? We find out in verses 8 through 11. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. Everyone was burned by this blast of heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over all these plagues. They did not repent of their sins and turn to God and give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. His subjects ground their teeth in anguish, and they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and sores. But they did not repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. Oh, the blame game of those who hurt and harm others and then refuse to take responsibility for their actions. This is the plight of the earth dwellers, for God knows that they will not repent. God does not concern himself with whether they stop and change. He already knows they won't. He gives them a small taste of the horrors they committed upon the tribulation believers, and these earth dwellers don't like it one little bit. They curse God. They shake their fists in defiance. So he continues his wrath in verses 12 through 14. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, and it dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies toward the west without hindrance. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouths of the dragon, the beast and the false prophet. They are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to all the rulers of the world to gather them for battle against the Lord on that great judgment day of God the Almighty. Earth dwellers are drinking blood. They are covered in leaking, smelly, itchy boils. They are blistered and seared by the sun. Those in Babylon are stuck in demonic darkness. They suffer and wail and moan in pain and anguish, but Satan, Antichrist, and the false prophet don't care. These three bring forth reptilian beings who perform supernatural works that result in gathering Earth's armies near Jerusalem. Little frogs don't bring destruction, but these reptilian creatures must have faces like frogs, for that is the only identification John can come up with to describe them. There are many biblical references to who these reptilian beings are, but that is a subject for a future podcast. Just know that this time period toward the very end of the Great Tribulation will be horrific and frightening even for the earth dwellers who believe in Satan. Why? Because every single earth dweller will be forced into battle and somewhere along the way they realize that all along... They have been Satan's pawns in this battle against Almighty God and His Son. These earth dwellers recognize that no one can defeat God Almighty. They see what has always been the truth, and that is, throughout history, 
Satan has used mankind to fight his war against God. Satan hates humanity, and he will take as many people with him as he can. Any that choose him instead of God becomes a trophy that he uses against God. Eventually, God gives them over to Satan permanently, and that is the last time they have a choice. For in the end, these earth dwellers, along with Satan, Antichrist, and the false prophet, all suffer the same fate. Here are the final verses of Revelation chapter 16. Look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready, so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple, saying, It is finished! Then the thunder crashed and rolled, and lightning flashed, and a great earthquake struck, the worst since people were placed on the earth. The great city of Babylon split into three sections, and the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. So God remembered all of Babylon's sins, and he made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce wrath. And every island disappeared, and all the mountains were leveled. There was a terrible hailstorm, and hailstones weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. They cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. The Lord Jesus Christ announces his upcoming arrival as Satan's reptilian creatures forces earth's rulers and armies into the valley of Megiddo. The seventh bowl is cast into the air, which is Satan's last remaining area of influence. One of his many names is Prince of the Air, and he has been controlling airborne devastation for thousands of years. Satan and his fallen army of one-third of God's original angels is referenced in the book of Ephesians, where Satan's evil wickedness fights against God's armies in the spiritual high places. A shout reverberates from the temple and King Jesus announces that Satan's wickedness is finished. It is done, for Christ paid in full, and his beloved will be with him forever. Anyone else? Well, their time is also finished, as God unleashes the single most devastating earthquake ever to hit earth. Islands disappear and mountain ranges are flattened. The evil armies in the valley of Megiddo quake in their boots as they await their final moments. Meanwhile, Babylon is divided, and we learn more about this city in upcoming chapters. And as if the devastation of this earthquake is not enough, God pounds earth with hailstones. The Greek and Hebrew texts use the word talent, which is a weight measure. This particular translation decided to use the least amount for this ancient weight. But understand that a Greek talent weighed 86 pounds. A Hebrew talent weighed 110. And a Babylonian talent weighed 135 pounds. Geez. In comparison, 75-pound hailstones don't seem all that bad. In summary, one last bit of information. Did you know that in the Old Testament, the punishment for blasphemy against God was to be killed by stoning? There is only one remedy for sin, and that is the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ's 
sacrificial blood, which he shed on that cross for all mankind. Jesus alone is worthy, and he alone can save. And so, dear friends, take heed of the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God today as you seek a deeper personal relationship with him. Thank you for joining me, and know that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you so much that he died for you. Amen and amen.